Welcome to Pierce Podcast. I'm Mike. And this is Orlando, and we're on episode 293, and we have a special guest. Yeah. I haven't told Mike about this special guest. Well, I mean, I, I saw the special guest. There we go. Dun, dun, dun. We got Ron. Now, we would keep him in the background here, but I don't think that's going to work. Yeah, it, it might be a little but hard. This, with is, the... this is my most treasured piece. That's your most treasured piece? One dollar. One dollar for full it's, size. It's pretty cool. So if you're listening Ron. on the podcast, uh, Orlando just pulled out a a uh, a cardboard cutout of Ron Swanson. It's one of those ones that you would imagine would be like in a movie theater when they've got like a new movie or something out kind of yeah. advertising. Uh, do you know the story behind that? Did you find out like where that person? No, got the Ron I didn't Swanson? ask. I didn't ask any questions. You I just, just bought it. And when I said I looked at it and I said, what are you thinking on Ron? And they said a dollar. I just said sold and I literally paid the dollar and put it in my car. Yeah, I mean, that's one of those things like you just put it up on your wall and be kind of cool. We could. We could put it like right here, like in the middle, watching over us. You know, what's funny is they, from what I gather, they created Ron Swanson on the show to be like the hated character, you know, to be like the, oh, yeah. the one that like, yeah. it, you know, has the values against culture that most people supposedly, you know, would, would kind of look at and be like, who would be like this? And he ended up being like the most loved character on that show. Yeah, it's like a cult following. Yeah, it's amazing. It's crazy. Yeah. All right, so this is an update episode, obviously, uh, and that was one of the pickups from the last garage sales. Uh, there was a lot going on, but before I, I unload, I, I got a lot to say. I have a lot to say. When do you not have a lot? That to is true, that, but that's the purpose of the podcast, right? Yeah, I guess we. Like I guess we, we literally have a, we have a channel <laughs> set up so that we can say things. Yeah. So I guess that that makes that makes sense. So well, what's going on? What's going on with you? Um, I mean, just been doing a lot of listing. I feel like. Um, I'm really miss, especially when I see, I see posts that, you know, the garage sale halls that you've got. And I'm like, man, that could have been my Ron Swanson, uh, <laughs> you know, looking at some of the, I think you yeah. picked up, what was it? Uh, three, three, uh, like robo backs. Was that oh, what yeah, those the were? Roombas. R- three Roombas. Yeah. I'm like looking at your stuff. I'm like, oh man, there's for $10, some, there's, some, there's some sweet stuff in that mix. Uh, so yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm a little jealous. There's a little bit of envy going on there. However, I've got my death piles have just been getting out of control. And so I'm like, you know what? I need to buckle down. I took the weekend before off because it was Mother's Day weekend and just kind of wanted to have a little bit of, you know, relaxing time. And so this weekend was, you know, all right, I could go out and source. But again, my death piles are getting huge. So I ended up like taking enough pictures, getting stuff organized, getting stuff prepped and sort or listed for I didn't do the exact math, but it had to have been close to like four to five grand. Wow. Right. I'm just thinking like that yeah. much inventory has just been sitting yeah. there. Yeah. And so, yeah, you, you can have a day where it's like you go out and you get more, but you don't, you don't actually realize any of the profits until you list it and sell it. I mean, obviously it has to sell first, but you, you can almost get like stuck in this limbo where you, you're, you're sourcing, you have inventory and you've in your head, look at how much money I made this weekend of what I sourced. Mm-hmm. But if you're not actually listing it and if that stuff isn't moving, then it's all just pretend money you know it's all just in your head the problem is and it's losing value every day because of inflation yeah well it depends on whether or not that item is uh is, is still hot and in demand and true then technically it could true, be true. appreciating <laughs> in value now <laughs> sometimes that does happen. now relative value yeah it's 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 certainly becoming less like you might make a little bit more like hey this sold for 30 dollars instead of 25 but you know if it is sold for 25 two years ago i'd actually have more money now so there there is that aspect uh but yeah, so I, I spent quite a bit of time actually doing the sort, the listing and the the sorting of stuff and kind of getting through those death piles, which is not super fun. But you, like anything else, I mean, you talk a lot about doing like Netflix and and listing. Yeah, you know, is it? 
It's Net, a favorite pastime. Net, Netflix and List. Uh, that's a that's a patented trademark shirt for Purosol Podcast. You're yes. not allowed to take that. If somebody takes that, uh, that's that's copyright. I'm copywriting that or trademarking. It's it. trademarked right now officially. This is the legal way you do that. Um, so Netflix and List. Um, so I know that's a thing that you that you're into. And so I'm like, okay, for me, I go down to my shed, and it's a bummer because I have to like leave my my wife and kids up at the house and they're having fun. I'm like, okay. You're like a pioneer or something. (laughs) Well, yeah, I mean, it's a hike. I've got to hike down there. So I hike down to the shed and I start doing my listing, but it is kind of nice because I'm a little introverted. And so it becomes, if I'm listening to a good audio book or I'm listening to some music, you can almost get into that flow state. Like Zen or something. Yeah. Or you can just like turn some music on. It's been hot. It's been getting hotter here in San Diego. So I turn, I've got a wall air conditioner that I mounted inside my shed turn that on and just kind of zone out. And before you know it, it's like, oh man, it's been like three hours and I've just got all these pictures done, all these listings and you know, you feel accomplished. And so is it as exhilarating as the hunt? No, but, but there is like almost like a meditative like process involved in it. You know, I I understand. I get it. I mean, I do get it. You just, I, I think it's that area where people will talk about balance, right? Like you can always have the thrill, but sometimes you got to bring it back down and you actually got to like, this is a long winded way of saying I'm finally stopped being so lazy and I listed stuff. Okay. I get it. I get it that that was a little bit wordy, uh, that I might've made that a little bit like a uh, little, little intense, but a little uh, philosophical. Yeah. But, uh, it is what it is. I listed stuff. I stopped being so lazy. And because I wasn't outsourcing, I've been doing a little bit more eBay sourcing and like local pickup, like if it's somewhere near my my work and I can pick it up on my way home. And I'll tell you what, I, I've missed doing the eBay arbitrage because there is still a little bit of a thrill to the hunt when it comes to that. I've got a few niches that I'm into and I like to set, I, there's ways you can do it where it's not necessarily auctions, but I like doing the auctions. I like doing ending soonest and I like sorting for the ones that maybe don't have any bids on them. And if it's like, oh, there's some profit here and they have or best offer open. Oh, I just wait till it gets real close to ending and I just send them a best offer lower than especially. I mean, you can kind of tell if it's like this person's a a seller, but usually like like legitimate big sellers aren't doing auctions for those types of the things that I'm looking in niches. They've got stores. They're willing to wait for the, the, the amount, you know, just like we do. We post something. We're willing to wait three months, six months, a year in order to get the profit. Uh, when somebody just does like a seven day auction, chances are they're just the average person who's like, hey, I've got this thing. I want to sell it. Yeah, I agree. Especially and, when you've seen it multiple times. Mm-hmm. Like sometimes you can tell that they relisted and relisted it. Yeah. Because you'll look at you look up stuff and it says listing ended and you'll see it there again. Yeah. So those are the ones that I like to wait till the end and, and send an offer because to me, in my mindset, and it's worked many times is when they get those offers, they're kind of panicking of like, I haven't gotten any bids on this. Mm-hmm. There's only eight minutes left. Maybe they'll wait. Sometimes I notice they'll wait until the, it's almost over before they accept the offer. Uh, or, or sometimes it ends and then we still work out a deal and then we we make we make the sale happen. Uh, but that that's a nice way of doing it because I can pick up things that they just get shipped right to me. And a lot of times they're, they're packaged. Well, not always. Sometimes I got to repackage them, but a lot of times I can just take them out, take better pictures. If the person didn't take the best pictures, repackage it up, tape it up and put it back on the shelf and it's good to go. And so, uh, you kind of have Christmas always like, like, like we used to call animal Amazon Santa, you know, just 
constantly. The, the, the UPS man or the USP, um, the, the post office man is coming all the time with little packages for you. So when you're doing that eBay arbitrage, you're like, ooh, there's a $30 profit. Oh, that's an $80 profit. I wonder box. if there's people that do eBay arbitrage that steal the pictures too. Oh, yeah, I've done that. Okay. Well, I wasn't looking for a confession. No, I mean, I mean, if it's like a like decent pictures and I open it up and it all looks good and like, yeah, I'll, I'll, if they were, if the pictures were done right, there's no, no, there's no point in, uh, just do sell similar and, <laughs> but it doesn't let you keep the pictures. Maybe no, but, but you can, you can easily, yeah, I know you, you can, can easily save take. image. Yes. Yeah. So, um, I don't do that for everything, but I've done that a couple of times. So if, if it's like, oh, these pictures are good, I'm not going to reinvent the wheel here and set up. And no one, no one's contacted you like, Hey, you bought that for me and you got my pictures. I mean, somebody sold the item. I mean, this is going to be chance, controversial. What's the, the chance that they're going to go on and, I mean, that's literally what we do as resellers. If somebody did that for me, if somebody bought something for me and then and then sold it for a higher price, good for them. They they somehow knew something. They changed. Yeah, yeah I wouldn't care either. I mean, even I've had people take my pictures and I'm like, it's not a big deal. It's like, why? The, the time and energy I would spend on pursuing that individual to take down those pictures would just be a waste of time. You yeah. know, at least in my perspective. Well, and a lot of times I'm, I'm, the pictures, it's not like it's not like this is like art or like they've created art. It's just like, hey, a picture. Mine are, they're beautiful. Glad you feel with my photo room, they're masterpieces. That's right. Um, <laughs> and before anybody judges, like, oh, but they put in the work. Like, how many times do you do sell similar and keep most of the description that somebody? Oh, uses? I do it all the time. It keeps my item specifics. Yeah. Like that's how you beat item specifics is sell similar. Sell similar. Yeah. So so we all do that. We all take a little bit of shortcuts. And somebody did the work at one point. And there's times when you're doing the work and somebody benefits from it. So it is what it is. Um, so yeah, been doing that, been doing a lot of sourcing. Um, and then another thing that I've noticed is part of it, I think, is maybe just age. I'm getting older. Not that I'm old, but I, you know, as I'm as I'm maturing, and part of it too is the reselling life. I feel like I'm getting very um desensitized in a good way to hearing no's. Like we've talked about it in, in negotiating books. We've talked about it in, in various books that we've done in our level up reviews. Uh, but I, I don't have a problem now. And I don't, I don't push really hard when it comes to negotiations. Like I'm not, I'm not lowballing people and being rude. And I, I, I feel like there are people who they, they go too far. Are you talking about me? No, but um, I mean, if the shoe fits, but, um, <laughs> but I have no problem making an offer and I don't get offended if somebody says no. I mean, I, I try to be fair. I'm, I'm, I need to get a certain amount of money and I know there's going to be a little bit of uh, wiggle room for, for, you know, barter back and forth in order to come to a legitimate price. So I'm not coming in when someone's trying to sell a $200 camera for say, and say, Hey, five bucks. Like I'm not, I'm not going that crazy. Uh, but if I give a, a decent offer, something where I can, there's room for profit for me, uh, they're still getting a decent amount if they're wanting to offload it quickly. And they say, no, I remember when I first started, there was the fear of like, I don't want to offer this cause I might offend them. Mm. You know, like there's almost the fear of like, if I send this offer, I'm going to be that person who's going to be seen as a low baller. I'm going to be, and it's so silly because like, who cares what this random person thinks? Like if they look at it and go, no, then I just go, all right, move on. And, and so part of it is just getting over that fear of like, what if somebody says no? So if you're listening to this podcast and you haven't checked out our level up reviews where we've talked about negotiating, we've talked about um, various ways of uh, communicating with other people definitely go back and check those out. I think they're helpful. I think they're useful. Uh, we we did one where we talked about a challenge where it was like trying to get a hundred no's mm -hmm. and, and those things, they, they, it really does help because the more you do it, the more you get out of your comfort zone and you realize nobody really cares. Like nobody really cares. Like we often think a lot of times that people are concerned or thinking about us way more than they are. 
Yeah. When no. everybody's thinking about themselves. And so they do, they probably don't even remember the yeah. interaction unless yeah. there's something obvious of the interaction. They're not going to remember. Yeah. So don't be afraid if you're new and you're like afraid to do a little bit of negotiating, you're afraid to lowball. And I don't mean insult somebody. Don't don't insult somebody. Be tactful. But what is insulting? I mean, we we've talked about it when we've seen people be insulting at garage sales. Where no, no, it's no, like, yeah, there's well, there's this, mean. This is, this is junk. yeah, okay, this yeah. Is, I'm okay. not gonna. That's why I wanted you to clarify because offering low isn't insulting, right? I mean, it, you know, I, I sometimes I, I this happened last garage show where I somebody wanted something I could tell they wanted a lot and they said, "What are you thinking?" I'm like, "I don't want to insult you. We're kind of far apart." And I still gave her my number and she's like, no. And I was like, okay. Yeah. And we were fine. She wasn't like, how dare you lowball me? No. Yeah. yeah. And that's fine. Um, and I think we all know what I'm talking about. Like there's the people who are rude and then mean. Yeah. And then there's also the aspect of, Hey, somebody, if somebody knows the value of something, they're trying to sell this, you know, Nintendo 64 complete set with a bunch of games. And they're like, you know what? I think like 150 and you're like, that's still a killer deal. Like I could probably, and you're like, you know, what about 10 bucks. Oh yeah, I know like, that, that's annoying. at a certain point. Yeah, yeah, it's right. like either they're going to either look at you and go, you're either completely ignorant to what this is worth or you're insulting me and hoping that I'm ignorant. And yeah. so there is a, there is that level, but okay. the more you I do it, you. the more you get out of your comfort zone and, and are willing to do it. So I've been reselling long enough now that I've, I've gotten a lot of no's, but it just kind of dawned on me the other day when I'm sending offers locally to people. And I'm like, man, a couple of years ago, there's no way I would have sent this offer. Just because like they're asking $75, like how could I possibly send a $30 offer and, and offer to pick up some more of the stuff that they have? Because what, I mean, they're going to, what, what would they think about me? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know? And, and again, maybe they come back and they're like, no, that doesn't work, but 40 works. And you're like, you know, sweet. There's, there's room there. I can make, I can make that work. So you never know if you don't ask. And even if you get a no, there's so many options out there. Like I can literally go on to offer up and get a hundred no's in 10 minutes. and not have affected at all my ability to source an offer up. Agreed. So Agreed. yeah, don't, don't worry about it. Don't be insulting, but that's good practice. Um, and it just dawned on me the other day. I'm like, man, I've, I've definitely grown in this area. So let us know in the comments below, like where, what have you noticed? Like what's been the thing that you've kind of reflected on as a reseller recently that you've been like, man, I've, I've grown in this area. I used to hate doing this and now I can do this. Or I used to not know such and such. And now I'm like fluent in that, that category that, um, that, skill uh so for me a lot of that is uh not worrying so much what people think and and that's helped my negotiating quite a bit yeah it's good that, that, that you said a lot but it, it's so true because i again i see this all the time on youtube and social media that somebody offers a number and instead of negotiating or haggling they're just they go with it mm. right and i get a lot of flack i love it when i go to garage sales and there's people that haven't followed us for a while and they're like, why don't you just be grateful and just take the number that they offered? I'm like, well, the reality is they're at a garage sale. They understand that there's a haggling component. And then on top of that, we've said this so many times, but every dollar counts, right? That $3 I was able to knock off something is a $3 I can spend at the next garage sale and get another deal, right? So your deals continue to compound over that time. Yep. So, hey, real quick, do you want to share about our Discord? Because it's really hot in our studio. And for the first time ever, I'm going to go turn on the air. Oh, nice. Go get her done. Right. Talk uh, to I love the Discord, by the way. It's yeah. so good. No, yeah. So uh, for those of you who are fans of Pierasol Podcast, maybe you've been listening for a while. 
Uh, originally, we did the Buy Me a Coffee as a way of supporting us, and we've moved over to Patreon, which has actually been really good for us. Uh, we lost a lot of our supporters, and we finally built back up to, to where we were and a little above using our Patreon. And the Patreon originally started as just a way to say thank you to Pierce Podcast. Like, hey, Pierce Podcast, you, uh, your weekly episodes, your Monday minis, your Saturday videos, all of those things, your, your constant work on Instagram. Uh, those things have really helped me as a reseller. I want to say thank you. We appreciate it. Uh, and so that's what our Patreon has been. And we decided that because we have such a good community, I mean, we've we've done it when we've done Zoom calls with people. We've done local meetups. We talk to people all the time on Instagram and we realize we have something special. Our community isn't, I don't feel like the typical reselling community. We have a pretty unique group of people who know lots of different things, but they're not like the showboating entrepreneurs who are trying to, you know, you know what I'm talking about. No one's trying to sell a course. Yeah, exactly. So uh, we wanted to like have a community, like a real community that wasn't just like a, Hey, pay us a bunch of money and you can get into our cook group and not again, we we've talked in the past that we're not saying that that's a hey, bad we're thing. We're friends with some of the cook groups. That's right. Just in them. Um, so, but that's not what, what our community is. Our community is, is really just a community and it's growing, it's expanding, it's changing. I mean, heck Orlando and I barely, when we first started, barely knew anything about discord and we're slowly mm-hmm. learning more. And there's some things we're like, Oh, we should add some rules here. We should change this. And we should, we should add this server and this, this channel. But what we've noticed is, it's all happening organically. We've got a good group of people who are consistently communicating. And we love that it's not like the Mike and Orlando show. The, the the Discord really isn't. It's our community helping each other. It's people saying, hey, I don't know anything about this. Can somebody help me? And somebody saying, yeah, I packed one of those last week. Here's how I do that. Um, or here's a tip for this. Or, oh, there was this deal here for these you know coupons for boxes. And, and it's just a group of people helping each other, sometimes just ranting and raving about you know, eBay or reselling life and funny memes. And it's been a great community. Some people are just there and are just, uh, you know, lurking and just enjoying the the interactions and kind of growing and learning that way. So uh, if you want to support us, if you want to join our Patreon, it's, you know, five fifty five a month for the low tier. It gets you access to our discord. And, you know, we're not going to promise you you're going to get the hot bolos that's going to make you a millionaire tomorrow you, but you'll make but back you're, that five dollars yeah, you're quick yeah you're gonna the, the amount of tips and tricks and hacks and just the ability to have some people to bounce some ideas off and rant and rave it's definitely worth it so uh again thank you to all of you who are already part of our discord and our patreon and uh we look forward to seeing more of you joining us yeah so just head on over to patreon.com slash podcast or go to the link below yeah thank you all right i gotta tell you I have really been focused on ensuring that I list every day. And I talked about last update, how I used to be on easy street on eBay and easy street wasn't cutting it anymore. And I kind of, I had to level up and I had to, <laughs> I, I, I don't know if I've shared, I have shared this multiple times where there, there, there were times I, I think of this time last year where I went like two weeks without listing. Hmm. I'd go days without listing and it didn't phase me. It didn't affect anything. Sales still came through. I made the right amount. But again, my standard of living was lower. Like I had, a, a, you know, my property is probably, I don't know, one fifth the size of what it is now. And, uh, you know, I, I, my expenses weren't as high my power bills and as high. and now I've had to level up. And so I've, that's what I love about reselling is that you can ramp up if you need to. I mean, your biggest obstacle is always cash flow. Right. So you have to make sure that you are consistently selling items. Uh, it's funny. I bring that up because somebody had messaged me and goes, hey, Orlando, uh, you know, I'd love to see your uh, sell through rate numbers on eBay. And I said, you know what? I'd love to show those. 
I don't think they're great. I don't even look at them. Uh, but all I would say is make sure you're selling your stuff. Right. And, and my model has changed. My model has changed. I started probably back in January. I've begun to sell things for, uh, not less, but I'm willing to take in more offers than before. And just because I have older inventory now, my inventory, you know, I have stuff that's like seven years old. Right. And, it's, and once I get an offer on something like that, I'm, it's out of here. Like, you know, and again, I'm not saying that I accept a dollar offer, you know, 10% offer. I'm not accepting those still. They have to still be reasonable, but uh, I am, I'm a little bit better about doing the, the fast nickel than the slow dime. Right. Because my belief initially was the more items you have, the larger, the more slow dime offers you have, which catches <laughs> up. But I don't know. I, I find that eBay, eBay wants to sell. eBay wants you to sell something so they can make money. Yep. So, so there's that. And part of that is uh, I've also paused my whatnot. And so let me share a little bit about why. A couple of things. Uh, one is there's no way I'm getting the money I would get on eBay on whatnot. It's just not happening. At least not for me. And they may be happening for other creators uh, because mainly the people that are on whatnot right now are either people that have been on whatnot from the beginning or they're YouTubers or somebody with a huge following. And we have a decent following on Instagram. We have about 27,000, but the numbers don't convert, right? That doesn't mean we get like a thousand on a whatnot, you know, streaming and we're getting, you know, I get maybe like 30 or 40 at tops and I appreciate every single one of you. So this isn't taken away from you showing up, uh, but it's, it's, I, I, I'm unable to make the same amount of money doing whatnot as I would be listing. Right. Cause I did the math and, and in the first few whatnot auctions, I did all right. I was making like, you know, 50 to hundred an hour. It was pretty good. And then, uh, the last couple, it was like, $25, $20 an hour. And, and I started thinking about all the time it I spent, you know, organizing it, taking pictures of the items, doing the stream, which was great. I mean, but I'd rather be on Instagram live talking to you guys than on whatnot, because there's a different vibe when you're trying to sell stuff to people than when you're just having a conversation with people online. And so I just, I did the math and it just, it wasn't, it just wasn't what I cared for, you know, where I, I usually try to aim for at the bottom, 50 bucks an hour uh, doing eBay work. That means sourcing, listing, sh packing, shipping. Uh, and on a good day, 100 bucks an hour, you know, meaning that I only work, you know, three, four hours and I'm good for the day. Uh, and so I don't know. I I'll probably do another whatnot auction next week. I just, I needed to take a break because I, I will tell you, I did get exhausted from the last one. I spent all this time on Harley stuff and it was just like, it was great. And I, and I'm grateful that I was able to provide inventory for a lot of our awesome listeners that, and some of them are in our discord. Uh, but at the same time I was like, wow, I spent three hours in that three hours. I probably could have listed at the least 30 to 40 items and you know, 30 to 40 items. All it would have taken is selling one or two of those items to make the same amount of money I made on whatnot. Mm. So I don't know. I don't know. I I'm, I'm, I'm backing, you know, I'm back and forth on whatnot. Right. It, last time I said it was like the end of eBay. I mean, I didn't say that, but you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And now I'm like, eh, I don't know. I don't know. All right. So, garage sales. Oh, garage sales. I don't know what it is, but every weekend I've gone to garage sales has been golden for like two months, two months. And I haven't spent a lot. This last time I spent hundred, I think $176. And I'm probably going to make one K easy on everything. And it's just, 
it's been a while now. This last garage sale season, not the garage sale season, this last garage sale was, it went back to the glory days of garage sale. And you're going to hate me t- sharing the story because you're like, I wish I was there. There was probably five community garage sales on Saturday. So you gotta you gotta send me a text message when I don't do my research. You gotta help me. Well, out. I, I I I don't know. I I thought you'd be out there. Like I I just had the expectation. You know, it's funny. People we'll probably think like Mike and I like eat dinner together and breakfast, and we just hang out and play Risk all day. But yeah, no. no, I never see Mike <laughs> do the podcast. Which is kind of sad, but it is what it is. We're you know yeah, we're in different busy. stages in life. Uh, but uh, one of them, I only went to one at a hundred and twenty nine garage sales. At over at Scripps Ranch, and uh, man, it was. I mean, it took a little bit. I mean, it, I went to like fifteen. I didn't find anything, mm. and then things started happening. You know, so I went to one place and I bought you know those three Roombas and everything for like ten dollars, and then I went to another place and I bought uh you know a bunch of cameras, and then another place I bought some you know gear, another place I bought a jack. I mean, and you know it adds up. Right. Sometimes you don't get like that one major haul from one garage sale. But if you're going like 40 to 50, it's equivalent to the same. Yep. Right. Oh, oh, I saw duck decoys in that picture. Oh, yeah. I have like 10 duck decoys. Yeah. Yeah. I've been taking it old school, man. So I don't know. We'll see how those go, though. I have a couple that comes for like 100 bucks. Nice. But I'm like, why did this guy sell them to me for $10? Like he, he knew what he was selling me. So I don't know. I mean, some people... Like with duck decoys, I mean, I think of those as like the kind of things where somebody had one. Here's me making up a story here, but someone had one. They like ducks. And then like every year for like their birthday and Christmas, people are giving them duck decoys. And so he's got ducks all over his house. And he's like, you know what? It's kind of cool. But like, I'm like, I'm going to say thank you when people get them for me. But like, I don't need all these ducks. And so he sells a couple to garage sale and he's like, whatever, 10 bucks. Well, he had eight and he wouldn't budge on the 10, 10 bucks. Like I try to get him to go to eight seven nine just would not budge i try to throw in other stuff in the garage shell into the, to make it a sweeter bundle hey can you just throw this in and we'll do 10 bucks no nope. well you were trying to do 10 bucks for all of them yeah and how many did you get all of them it was Which like it was like eight or nine that's a killer deal no it was a killer deal but his opening number was ten dollars so you never go with the opening number I mean, Unless you don't, you don't have, that's a deal. You don't but no, have but, to but, there, but it was a risky buy. It wasn't like, 10 bucks is not a it risky wasn't like buy. five came, GameCube games for 10 bucks. Like that, that, that's automatic. I'll take it. But these are Doug decoys who could sit, they, these could sit in my store for another decade. They're not. Because they're looking for the right buyer. Yeah. But I mean, if you, if, if you're already comping them out at over a hundred bucks. Yeah. But all you right got to do is sell one of them. I, I know, but who knows how long that'll be. You, I know, uh, I know, I know. Come on, you've been reselling long enough. All right, all right. Okay, so it was a good time. Now, here's what's also funny. Somebody came out to me and they're like, hey, Orlando, hey, you know, love the podcast. And he's like, I know Mike says no one will recognize you in public, but I recognize you. Tell him that Joe said hi. And so, Joe, thanks for saying hi. Nice. Uh, I just I just thought it was funny. And I ran to another guy, 3 a.m. threads on Instagram who's always out there. I think I might do some swap meets with him. Uh, you know, I kind of joked around about him, uh, about it. Cause he's always at swap meets. And, um, I think, I don't know, it's, it's crazy how many resellers are out there. Like I, I see way more resellers now than I ever had before. Mm. Now, I, let me mention, this is not part of a random story, but there were, there were the jerk resellers, right? The ones we talk about where this card kept like telling me every house I went to for like, I think like 10 garage sales. 
And the moment I started walking towards something, they go over and they just grabbed it right in front of me. Mm. And I, I, they didn't even look at it. They were just grabbing like how much. And I'm like, bro, like. I mean, you like, can really mess with somebody like that, though. Yeah, it's but, easy. All you got to do is start walking towards the junk and like getting really big guy, and true. then just that let him true. spend all of his money on junk. And then, well, what happened was uh, this is where I crush your competition. This is where I knew my experience like far outpaced theirs because there was like this uh, box of toys, and the guy was like three hundred dollars, and it was like these like old like toys or whatever. And and I looked, and I'm like, yeah, that that's maybe like ten dollars in there, maybe, maybe fifty. And like they spent all this time looking and I was just like, okay, I'm going to get in my car and I'm taking off and these guys will never see me again. Uh, but it was just, it was just, it was just funny because I wonder if I'm ever like that. Like, you know, I see something and I don't even, I'm so like in the zone that I just go over and grab it and don't even notice that like, you know, I'm being money somewhere else. Yeah. You're being rude. Maybe, so, maybe, maybe. maybe. I mean, but, it's funny, though, how, like, the longer you do this, you do start to recognize people, too. I mean, there's the people who I've talked mm-hmm. to because they listen to the podcast. Yeah. Uh, but I've been to enough garage sales. Like, there's this one guy who always smokes a pipe at all the garage sales. Like, I don't, it's not every weekend, but like, I'd, I'd probably say, like, every out of every 10 garage sales I go to, like, 10 weekends, I, I, I run into him at least three of them. And I know because I'm like, oh, I smell pipe smoke. I'm like, the guy must be around. And sure enough, there he is walking from garage sale to garage sale with his pipe. And I'm like, it's a good smell. Uh, but I'm like, it's pretty bold. I mean, because you don't know whether the person that you're buying from like wants to have you smoking a pipe at their, like in their house. Oh, they're smoking but, the pipe while they're Oh yeah, they're thing? walking with smoking a pipe. That's pretty awesome. I mean, it's it's bold though, because again, like some people love the smell of, of I mean, pipe tobacco has a really pleasant odor, especially if you get the right ones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So some people are like totally fine with that, but there, there's going to still be others who are like, I'm out here with my kids and you, yeah. you're smoking like, no, get out of here. I'm not selling you anything. Yeah. So you're taking a risk, but, um. You know, so it's funny how like you, you recognize certain people after doing it long enough. Uh, maybe they listen to the podcast. Pipe, maybe pipe smoker is if that you? The, let us know in the if comments. You're the pipe smoker, let me know, man, because uh, uh, it's a. Uh, I'd like to meet you and say like, you know what? It's you're the one. I'll smoke a pipe with you. The, there's some resellers. There's some resellers that you you can like you hear and you're like, oh, there's that voice I recognize the, the Legos. You know, like they say it the yeah. same way every oh, time. Oh yes. And then there's the there's like the. The, the pipe smoker and it's like i could smell a block away and i'm like he's out he's out and about you know like what's my calling card like what are people gonna know oh i'm the one that's always got the camera on They're like oh there's the guy with the camera so yeah good times you know sp- speaking of pipe smoking i when i was buying at the garage sales i ran into a full-time ebay seller you know what he sells pipes pipes yeah you use pipes full-time yeah he was like in a nice house nice cars like i was I like it. No, that's a huge community yeah, for sure. I, I was impressed because I asked him because he was selling all kinds of stuff. And I was just like, you have to be a reseller. I mean, why would you have all these random beer mirrors and then a baseball glove and then this? And he's like, yeah, he's like, I'm just trying to offload stuff. He's like, because I'm, I'm mainly just selling pipes. And he showed me some of the pipes and I was like, wow, that's pretty wild. I mean, if you know a niche like that, you can really do. I mean, even even uh, uh, double edge safety razors like I'm, I, I got into those quite a bit. And that's what I use to shave with. And I remember for the longest time, like we'd go to antique stores. This is before I started reselling. Mm-hmm. And I was always like, I'm going to find one at an antique store. And occasionally I'd find some like uh, straight edge razors and some other things, but like never like a good price double edge. And I remember the first time I found one, it was like an old, old, like from the 1920s Gillette. And I'm like, oh, this is so cool. And so I bought it. Um, but 
you'd be amazed at what the right brands of old vintage, like double-edged razors sell for online. Yeah, so true, there's true. definitely a market. And if you're, if you really know, if you niche down into something like that, hopefully I'm not killing like somebody's market right now, but there's gotta be something like something that you're into. There is going to be, I mean, it could be pins, fountain pins, right? There's something. And the nice thing is the more you learn about it, you're going to be able to find the person selling it for, for 20% of its value on eBay or at a garage sale or on offer up. And you could just pick those up. And if you're involved in like a Facebook group and people are trading them and you're, you eventually collect enough of whatever it is that you can sell and make really good money. And you, you become that person. So yeah, agreed. It's, agreed. It's definitely cool. All right. So yeah, any random stories? Um, kind of going along with what I was just talking about. Like, I mean, it's not super random, but like one of the things I love about reselling is you get exposed to a lot of things. Like I love offer up probably the most for local sourcing. I mean, it's really the only thing for local sourcing. I guess you could do Craigslist, but even more than eBay arbitrage, which I make a lot of money on eBay arbitrage, but like you've got to know what you're looking for in eBay. Whereas the offer up algorithm it's pretty good at like showing you things that it's it really good. that you would like it's scary based good. off of things you've seen. The problem is like if there was a time when I was like, I should look at a, a better fuel efficient car. And so I spent like 30 minutes looking up cars. Now like half of my offer up is cars. And I'm like, for when is the car, when are the cars going to go away? Like I'm not searching for cars anymore. Yeah. Uh, but it's really cool because sometimes you just see a picture and because it's a lot of, it's just a picture and you're like, what is that? And click on it. And so it can end up introducing you to new niches and new things. And I saw somebody selling what looked like, you know, like the Pine Derby cars. Yeah. yeah. Look like a fancy Pine Derby car or something, but they wanted like 300 bucks for it. And I'm like, what in the world is this thing? And so I think they had it labeled as like a cable car, but I, I by doing some research, I realized these are tether cars. And are you familiar with tether cars mm -hmm. at all? You are? Okay, so I, I wasn't familiar with it. I mean, this, this is something that was like really popular in like the 70s. Um, I don't think there's a huge thriving tether car community, but there there still are people who do it. And so basically the way tether cars work is they're like gas-powered cars that are attached to like a cable that goes on a pipe in the middle of like this track. And you start it and it goes. And because it's mm -hmm. like just going in a circle around this pipe and then it, it, it's like on a ring so it doesn't like wind up and actually get it doesn't like wrap around the pipe it just keeps going in a circle but they can go like really really fast like upwards over 100 miles an hour like in the car and so people get into these and they clock them how fast can they make their car go and as i'm going down this rabbit hole I'm like man it's like a weird thing i'm watching youtube videos of people doing it and i'm checking up ebay sold comps and it is amazing how even though i said it's not a huge thriving community is in not like rc cars where like everybody knows somebody who's into it i still don't know i wish i knew rc cars Oh, I know. I have friends who are like do, way into Do you know here there's a one of the places here in San Diego, like every Sunday they have like RC car races. Yeah, races. I've, I've done a couple. I've done a couple races because like, I had a friend who's really into them. Um, but it was just interesting to see like, man, there's a lot of people who are willing to spend a lot of money on old vintage ones. They're willing to spend money on parts, components to these things. Mm -hmm. So, again, it's one of those things where most people who are into it, unless you're lucky and you're at a garage sale, um, this probably isn't like a bolo of like pick up a tether car. Because most people who have tether cars probably know the hobby, but you never know because you can go to a garage sale or an estate <laughs> sale and somebody's grandpa was into tether cars and they're just like, I've got these box of these old cars and I want to get rid of them. So you might definitely be able to pick these up for a decent price. I would definitely look into them to see kind of have an idea, but it's a, it's an example of going down a rabbit hole and seeing like this, this is a hobby that I, I could get into if I wanted to, mm -hmm. even if not to, to race them myself. But it's amazing that 
there's people spending this kind of money on it. And so if I spend a little bit of time learning what brand of tether cars, like what was popular in the eighties, what was popular in the seventies, which models, which engines, what components do well, what are there aftermarket pieces to them? Are there brands doing them now? Next thing you know, you can collect again, people who are offloading their, their collections. And if you know what to pick up in the course of a year, cause that's the thing is sometimes I feel like you can get uh, almost discouraged when you're like, Oh, I found a new niche and you look it up and you don't find any deals. Everybody's selling it for the prices that they go for. These cars sell for 250 bucks. Everybody's selling them for 250 bucks. There's no room for me to make money. But that's if you just look that day. But now you've got a new thing to have on your search list. Spend a couple minutes every couple of days. Anything new posted? Anything new posted? Ah, I found something for a good deal. And the more you do that and learn a few niches like that, before long, you've got 30 things you're looking up every couple of days and you're you're going to strike. Every so often, you're going to strike on various ones. And it's just cool because you never know which one of those things is going to become your niche. Which one of those things, because right now I'm, I'm, I'm in a, a niche that's pretty, it's pretty, very profitable, but it's interesting because I don't actually really love selling it. And so part of me is like, I think I'm going to get out of this one. So I'd love to find something to replace it. That's my random story is like going down a rabbit hole from offer up <laughs> and learning a new niche from it. I was looking, I was looking for the closure on that one. Yeah. I mean. You're like, and then I met this guy and he has like a warehouse of tethered Yeah, goods. I didn't. It, it, so it wasn't like a cool story in the sense of no, like, no, hey, I, I, bought, hey. I, I bought like the 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 grail of tether cars. But uh, it just random of like, if it wasn't for reselling, because I think a lot of guys can relate to this, maybe girls too. But I think it's, it's specifically a guy thing to like get into hobbies. To like have the hobby of learning hobbies. A lot of guys, that's like what, no, what they do. Women do that too. I mean, you got Pinterest and all that too. And No, of, of course. But I'm just saying like the jumping between and just like trying to find like their area where they're going to like, this is my area. Yeah, I'm a guy Some guys find it. I have no hobbies. Yeah. So, so but a lot of, a lot of, a lot of people do like, I, I get made fun of all the time for like my hobby is knowing other people's hobbies. You know, like learning as much as I can about other hobbies. So as a reseller. That is Mike. That is true. You you are always learning something new. Yeah. So as a reseller, it's just amazing that like you can go down those rabbit holes and actually make it make money for you. Yeah. Yeah. So. yeah I hear you. So, so let us know in the comments below. What's the weirdest reselling rabbit hole you went down and like learned a new hobby of like, what? People are into this? Oh, who knows? What kind of story you're going to get on that one? So I had an interesting, awkward moment at the garage sales. So I go to the garage sale and I, I see this guy and I'm like looking at him like, wait a second, I recognize this guy. And I'm like, who is this guy? And then it hit me. It just hit me. And he, he locked, you know, we locked eyes for a moment and it's kind of awkward. And uh, you ever watch, you've watched Storage Wars, mm -hmm. you know, uh, Renee and, uh -huh. and Casey. Yep. Right. And they're, they're local. They're, they're from like Poway, which okay. is nearby. I. Uh, and I look and still so stupid me, like, you know, I didn't fanboy, but I was pretty close mm -hmm. in the fact that I was like, hey, you're Renee from Storage Wars. Did, and, you, say, did you say, I'm Orlando from Pierce Podcast. No, like, have you no, heard of me? No, I wasn't going to say that. So, so he's like, hey, how's it going? But I could kind of tell, like, he didn't go, hey, how's it going? He didn't like, he uh -huh. wasn't like, come here, like whatever. Like, cause I wanted to get like a picture with dude post mm -hmm. on Instagram. Yeah, I didn't get it. I I got the vibe automatically that he just he didn't want to be called out, right? He's at a garage sale. He's trying to make deals. Yeah, you know what I mean. And so, and then his his wife Casey was behind me looking at some stuff, and I think it's, I think it's Casey. Um, 
if it's wrong, let me know in the comments uh, or we can just Google it here. But I, you know, it was just one of those moments. And I, and I, I kind of asked them, you know, when I, we were looking at stuff, cause then after that, I realized like, this isn't going to be one of those like, Hey, let's talk shop kind of deals. You know, it was just, it was all, it was very business. And, uh, and no, no. And he was great. He was in, he was a jerk. I, I felt like I was the one that did the wrong here. Cause I, I don't think he wanted to be called out. And so I kind of said, Hey, you still, you still go to garage sales. Like don't, doesn't everybody come to you now? Like you have, cause he has his own, he's kind of like Craigslist hunter. You know how he has his own like store and shop. And, uh, and he's like, yeah, he's like, but you never, the hunt's still there. Like you still want to go out there. And I was like, ah, oh, that says something because I mean, I'm sure they're doing okay. Right. They were on storage war for years. They got paid a lot for that. You know, they've had their store for years. Like, and, and if you follow their YouTube, uh, which they still, they still post YouTube all the time, man, some of the stuff they find is crazy. So anyways, it was one of those moments where I was like, I get it now. I, I, I destroyed this guy's ability to deal because after they left, after they left, I just felt bad because, um, I just heard this other lady going, yeah, he thought because he's from storage wars, he's going to get the best deals. And I was just like, I'm just hearing people talking and yeah, he wanted stuff for next to nothing. I'm like, poor guy. Like, dude, I'm trying to get stuff for next hey, to nothing. You just got fame. <laughs> I, I guess so. I, I mean, just, you can't feel bad for, uh, you know, you put yourself out there like that and you know, life gets harder when it gets easier. <laughs> I know, but he was a nice guy and his wife was nice. They were, they were just like, they weren't like throwing around like, Hey, I'm whatever from the storage wars or any of that. They were just looking at stuff. And, uh, you know, it was, it was interesting because, you know, you still look up stuff on the phone and all that. And I don't know. It was, it was, it was, it was kind of cool. It was kind of cool, but it was also under, you know, it was good to know that like, no matter how much you resell, no matter, you know, what you've been through, like you're still going to enjoy the hunt of yeah, looking for stuff. The thrill of the hunt. Oh, and that that's what I loved about these garage sales. So yeah, that is uh that's my uh random story. So yeah. hey, before we get on to our important topics, let's talk about Bubble Boy. So AmericanBubbleBoy.com, they're one of our sponsors and they are great. If you're looking for incredible uh bubble wrap that will get to you fast, they are the company to go to. You know, there's been issues with that coupon uh code lately, and uh you know, people on the Discord have said, Hey, you know, your coupon code isn't working. I don't know what's going on. So I really got to get a hold of American Bubble Boy. But people are like, it's still a great deal. So even though we don't get the code, we're still going to use your link and we're still going to buy because it's the best deal out there. And it's true. So check them out. Go to our link below. Uh, I My favorite is the 750 square foot uh, roll that's four feet tall and it's $39.99. Or you can get like 700 square feet of recycled bubble wrap. For $33.99, it's great too. So uh, check them out, AmericanBubbleBoy.com. See the link below. and Use our link uh, so it helps us out. Uh, and it's just, you know, it's a great avenue to get awesome bubble wrap. Uh, also on social media, we are Pure Soak Podcast on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok. We are Pure Hustle Cast on Twitter. You can always give us a call at 619-738-1170. That's 619-738-1170. Or shoot us an email. And by the way, thank you to all of you that have shot us emails. I'm still trying to catch up. Uh, we get bombarded sometimes and kind of slow on it right now. So, uh, But still email us at purespodcast at gmail.com. That's purespodcast at gmail.com. And as always, if this is the first time listening, you know, this is what always astounds me, Mike, is that people will go, I went over. Did you see the latest comment about you? Uh-uh. I don't know how I don't know how you're gonna feel about this. So the person said, "Your voice on the podcast didn't match your body on YouTube." So I don't know what that means. 
do you see that as a positive or negative? I mean, it could go either way. I mean, they could be saying that I have a face or a body for radio, <laughs> or they could be saying that that my voice is terrible and, you know, I, I don't know. It could go either way. But uh, I mean, maybe maybe it's a good both ways. I don't know. I don't know. Anyways, check us out on YouTube. If you've only been listening to the podcast, jump on over. Uh, we are Pure Talk Podcast on YouTube. Subscribe. Hit that like button. Share. Sharing is good too. Sharing is caring and sharing helps us in the algorithm. So if you know someone that is trying to figure out reselling or they've been a reseller or anybody, somebody who just needs time to listen to something and watch it on YouTube and wants to see two bald bearded guys share this YouTube and also smash that like button. And last of all, if you want to give us an awesome review on iTunes, always appreciate it. It helps on the algorithm. Just go to iTunes, whether it be just give us a five stars. But it's always great if you leave it like a detailed note as to why you like the podcast because it helps others know what they're getting into when they listen to the podcast. Yeah. All right. We're going to talk about some uh, reseller topics here. That's right. Things are happening in the reselling world. Some of it has to do with taxes, everybody's favorite thing. We are going to explain why that is terrible, plus some other stuff. Orlando, take it away. Well, in the words of Ron Swanson, there's only one bad word, taxes. Mm, I agree. And uh, it's interesting because I don't know why this isn't being pushed out. Like I would think that more people will be on board about this. And I don't know. I mean, let us know in the comments what your thoughts are on this. But we talked about this at starting next year. When you report your taxes, if you make more than $600, you are to self-report, which before the threshold, for example, was about 20K. Like PayPal would send you a 1099 when PayPal was connected to eBay or, you know, different platforms. And so now $600. Right. That, which is to me, it's like, I feel bad for all because usually the people that are only making like $600 on eBay, they're not like rolling in the dough. Yeah. Right. It, it's, it's, it's people that whether it's a random person at home, they're like, yeah, I just want to sell stuff on eBay or, you know, it's somebody that needs to make ends meet. And now, now they're being required to turn over their information to the government and then possibly spend money to do paperwork on something that they are selling at a loss. Right. Because something they bought years ago. And I'll read I'll read eBay's letter here. So the reason I bring this all up is that eBay. Summarize it. Yeah. No, it's it's real quick. I think I should read it and it's full. So everyone it's not that long. Okay. Okay. Um, look, see? Not long. Okay. So the the reason I bring this up is because eBay has put together a letter for you to send to your Congress person, and it's really easy. All you have to do is you put in your name, you put in your address, your zip code, your phone number, your email address. And then the letters are already written out and you just send away. And I sent mine out and I got, you know, uh, Senator Padilla of California get, got back to me and his email looked like it was somebody's Gmail, like two line thing. And then I got one from uh, and Daryl Issa uh, and Daryl Issa was like really legit with his signature and pretty awesome looking. So I'm like, huh, I thought and Daryl Issa, like, you know, he's been around for a while and you know, Padilla, you need, you need help on your PR team, man. Like, I don't know what the deal is with that email, but anyways, so this is what eBay says in this letter in case you're wondering, and we're going to put the link below. It says, uh, I'll read part of it, Mike. I won't read the whole thing. Uh, it says a provision, uh, tucked into the 2021 American and, and somebody is FaceTiming me exactly nice. when I was exactly when I'm going to start reading. All right, here so, we go. 
Okay, wait, wait. Let me, let me. I think, I think that's that, that might be my son that was messaging me. So I need to message him and tell him back off. I'm doing a podcast. Nice. So, uh, yeah. so real quick before we get to the um, the the letter itself, some people might be thinking. We'll, we'll talk more about why why this is important. Um, hey, shouldn't everybody just pay their fair share? And uh, of course, you know, we we understand. There's part of us that are like this idea of, of fairness, everybody should pay. And, and Pierce podcast, if you've been listening for any length of time, you have to honestly be able to say that, that we have never advocated for trying to go around any systems, trying to break any rules or laws. However, um, there's a couple of things that I think people need to take into consideration. Maybe some of this is addressed in the letter. I haven't read the letter yet. Uh, one of the things is this if this goes into effect, this is going to cost eBay plus all other platforms that you might be selling on a significant amount of money in labor, man hours and technology in order to facilitate this, in order to make sure that uh, the 1099s are being sent out, that all the paperwork is being done, that everything is. And so you can look at that and say, well, what's the problem with that? If eBay has to spend an extra, anytime there's red tape, anytime there's more bureaucracy involved, anytime the government comes in and says, as a company, you now are forced to do X, Y, and Z, then you have to hire new people. You have to hire new things. You got to go through new HR processes. How is this going to work? You have to hire lawyers to make sure it's legally being done right. Those fees get passed on. Mm -hmm. A company does not take on additional costs and not pass that on in some way or another. And we, as eBay sellers, are the customers of eBay. We pay store fees, we pay insertion fees, we pay final value fee, all those things, those fees that we pay. If eBay's bottom line is getting cut into, they're not just going to go, oh, well, we're going to eat this cost. It's going to get passed on to us. Bottom line. And, and the smaller the company is that's trying to help. I mean, think about what this does for companies who are a small company trying to like, hey, like you can sell things on this. Well, now they're forced to do this. Now they have to hire new people. Maybe they don't even take off. And that kind of leads into my second point, which is a lot of the people. And again, I'm not part of this just could be, you know, that, that sense of fairness. Everybody should have to pay their fair share, which again, Orlando and I have never disagreed with. However, most of the people who are saying that and that are for the idea of like taxes, more taxes, they have the mindset of like, this is going to hurt corporations. This is like, we need to tax the rich. We need to tax. But the reality is, it's corporations who are going to benefit the most from this. Anytime the government steps in, it's the corporation that benefits. The corporations will benefit. And if you take a second to think about it, who is this going to hurt? All of the small and medium people, all the people who are like, you know what? Like I was going to try, I wanted to maybe get into this. I've got this new niche. I've got to make this thing. I'm going to sell on Etsy and I might only make like a thousand dollars this year. Well, if now I have to learn a new skill and maybe pay an extra $300 to do my taxes because I have to hire somebody to help me do this because I, I don't know what I'm doing. And now I've I made, I made $800 this year and now I've got to spend 20 hours doing taxes and I've got to forget it. I'm out of the business. Instead of like, hey, I can kind of learn how this works and tell them like, hey, I'm making like $8,000, $10,000 a year. Maybe I should figure this out and I can afford it. So what you're doing is all the big corporations who already have all the, the, the things in place to pay taxes and to get all this stuff done, they do just fine. Who does it hurt? All the little guys, all the people who are just starting out. It creates monopolies. Anytime you come in and you have this kind of, of influence corporations will end up with a bigger bottom line and, and all the small people will end up with less money. And that's just how no, that it's works. True. That, that's how, I mean, I don't want to get into history, but whenever some kind of regulation happens, the people that can afford the regulation are the ones 
a profit from it. And, it and, shuts the, and, down the, and the small businesses that can't, they're gone because they can't handle it anymore. Yep. Right. And so eBay doesn't go down that direction. That's just a side note from Mike and Orlando. And, you know, if we were, if we were going to go down the fair share route, this is from a nonpartisan group. And it's, it's, you know, who pays most of the taxes? 50% of people pay all the taxes. And out of that, the top 1% pays 25% of the taxes. Right. So now you're, you're, you're talking about the government wants to tax people that can't even afford to ta pay taxes at all. And now they have to use that time to self-report instead of spending that time working or sourcing or doing something else and spending that time. And so, you know, I, I, I'm going to go even further than Mike. I, I don't believe in the fair share argument because things have, are incredibly unfair. The more I've been reselling, the more taxes I have to pay. So basically, every time I reach a certain threshold, more of my money has to go to a government that is reckless in their spending. That's my two cents. Yeah. All right. Anyways, let's, let's go back to that. Well, I got a little impassioned, but I am. It's just, it's one of those things like... Talk to me about fair. I don't think it's fair that I have to, the, the better my life gets, I have to pay more. I, okay. All right. So in the letter, a uh, provision is tucked into the 2021 American Rescue Plan will require millions of Americans to receive confusing and burdensome tax forms for the sale of used or pre-owned goods, even when the sale of those goods are non-taxable events. Right? So again, waste of time. Uh, with consumer prices rising and millions of Americans struggling to get by, Congress must fix this issue immediately. Uh, and it's true. I mean, as we enter into recession, you, you better believe there's going to be a lot more people that are going to be looking to resell, right? Now is this? So now we're giving people that are going to need that cash flow another obstacle. Uh, millions of Americans use marketplace platforms to supplement income, make ends meet, and support their families. Uh, and then they get into the technicals. But uh, Section nine six seven four of the American Rescue Plan, uh, which was inserted without any hearing or debate. It reduced uh, the reporting threshold for third-party settlement or, you know, from $20,000. Sorry, it was $20,000 in annual payments. Did I say 200000 earlier? No, I think you said twenty. Uh, did I say twenty k? Okay. And 200 transactions to $600 with no transaction count. And the impact of this change will be that millions of Americans cleaning out their garage or selling a few used items to make extra money will now receive a 1099k tax form. Dropping the threshold to $600 for issuing a 1099 will cause confusion, overreporting of non-taxable income, and privacy concerns for millions of Americans already struggling as a result of the pandemic. Yeah, because I mean, there's going to be people who don't know that. Again, just imagine you you bought. Let's say you bought a purse for $800. Or a thousand dollars, you got a really nice purse. You bought a, a purse for a thousand dollars ten years ago, and it's gone down in value. You don't. That's use the next it. paragraph. Yeah. Oh, really? <laughs> you sell it for you sell that purse for six hundred bucks, and you're like, all right, like at least I got a little bit of my money back. Next thing you know, you get a ten ninety nine. You're like, whoa, what's this thing? I only sold one thing on eBay. I, I I sold this purse that I've had for a long time. Oh, I got to pay taxes on six hundred bucks. So then you pay taxes on it because you don't know that technically that was a loss. That wasn't capital gains at all, mm -hmm. but you're just an average person. So literally the government is taking money from you for, for, for nothing. Like really like, I mean, again, it's people in air paying money. And even if you didn't and you're like, oh, well now I, I it's technically a loss, but now I have to fill out my taxes and add all these extra forms. It's going to take extra time because I took a loss on something when, I mean, honestly, who's at a garage sale reporting that? <laughs> 
So they said exactly what you said real quick. Uh, when you sell a good below the cost you originally paid, there's no profit and therefore no income tax owed. If you're one of the millions of Americans and use marketplace as a virtual equivalent of a yard sale, like you've just been discussing, you'll now have to make sure you have receipts for virtually everything lying around your house, from prom dresses to old electronics and used sports equipment. Even if you sell a single item for more than $600 online, you'll now get a tax form and need to be able to prove to the IRS that you did not make a profit. Americans shouldn't be forced to choose between making money on used goods and facing the IRS. So I can go on and on. You, Everyone, you can read it. Uh, but it's real simple. It's all set up. And if you disagree with us, that's fine. I'm good with it. And if you agree with us, the link is below. Put in your info. Send it to your reps. You know, do I think this is going to do anything for me in California? No. But still, uh, my voice is, is being heard. And uh, I think, you know, there is a possibility in the next few months uh, that this could be overturned or the threshold could be made higher. And so we'll see what happens. We'll see. All right. Something really simple to talk about now. Let's do it. All right. So if you've been used to, if you use promoted listings, right? You're still doing promoted listing, right? The standard yep. one, yep. not the click one, but the one yep. that you just pay a fee or something. So yeah, 2%, 2%, 2%, whatever. Like so before they used to just charge you on the selling price on eBay and not the selling price, but the price you sold it for. Now that percentage is also going to be the shipping and the taxes. So you're going to lose more money basically is, is is the thing but it's it's similar to just final value fee so just be aware and and i think what this does is it causes you to recognize be careful uh when doing promoted listings i, I mentioned before where well, there was this month and i think it was like 2019 i think it was november and i had chosen a percentage above the standard rate for, on every single item and i didn't lose money but no i lost money but i it was my profit was bad because sometimes it's like 10%, right? And so that can, that can run away. So make sure you're aware that when you do your promoted listings, I thought this story was interesting. This is on a lighter note before we get into eBay earnings. Uh, I shared this on Instagram. Uh, did you read the story about the, uh, the Roman bust that was found at a goodwill? Yeah, that's crazy. So at the store, I shall not be named. Somebody found a 2000 year old Roman bust. So, it's a pretty interesting like um, chain of evidence of how it ended up. So, because everybody wants to know, like, did they make money on this? Right? They spent thirty five dollars. So, uh, they said they found that at Goodwill. And so, when I read the story, it said, um, "Little did she know that the the purchase had Roman ties and ended up in the San Antonio Museum of Art Sama four years later." Okay, so uh, I don't. Do they even mention who this person is on here? I don't even think they say the individual's name. Maybe she didn't want to say her name. Uh, so eventually, uh, the, she contacted some auction houses and experts, uh, for information. Sotheby's got back to her and confirmed that it was about 2000 years old. A specialized, a specialist was able to track down the bust on a digital database and found the photos from the 1930s of the head in Aschenberg in Bavaria, Germany. Uh, Lindley McAlpine, a postdoctoral, postdoctoral curator or curatorial fellow at Sama told CNN it is believed to be the bus of Sextus Pompey, a Roman military leader. His father, Pompey the Great, was once an ally of Julius Caesar. The bus was housed in a replica of a Pompey home, also known as a Pompeian gym. Did you know that those existed? Uh-uh. It was commissioned by King Ludwig I of Bavaria. It was on display until World War II, which was the last time it was seen until young uh, body. Oh, so the person's last name, Laura Young is a person, Laura Young. Uh, she bought it at the Goodwill. 
it, it seen, so the bus, along with other artifacts in the home, had been moved into storage before the Pompeian Jam was bombed and destroyed during the war. At some point, the piece was stolen from storage. It seems like sometime between when it was in storage until about 1950, someone found it and took it. It ended up in the United States. It seems likely that some American that was stationed there got their hands on it. And so basically um, what ended up happening is it ended up uh, at a Goodwill. And so said Young says she still wonders how the piece ended up at a Goodwill in Austin, Texas. Uh, the bus believed to be of Texas Pompeii will be on display at the museum. She said she tried to find the person who donated the statue through, through Craigslist, but had no luck. Yeah, that Ooh. person. I mean, if you donated it, you're probably not going to want to say because it, it was probably like, oh, this thing was in my grandpa's house. And you don't want to be like, oh, my grandpa was the one who stole this thing from. <laughs> <laughs> or, or or how dangerous was that? What if somebody on Craigslist, like some kind of phony, like came up with a huge story? Yeah. You know? Uh, and so I said, I would really love if whoever donated came forward. It's most likely not the original person who took him, but would likely to know the story. The piece is currently being lent out contractually to Sama for a year. But Mike Alpine explains it is still technically owned by Germany since it was looted from the storage. What? There's no finders keepers? No, that's what I was looking for. I guess not. I guess you can't. So somebody in our discord had mentioned that, you know, there's other markets you could have sold this in. Oh, yeah. Now. I don't advocate that because, you know, I, I'm a historian, so I'm glad it's going back to where it should go to. And on top of that, like you can get a lot of trouble. You know, there's got hopefully that this person finds a way to make profit off of this. hundred percent. Like even if it's like I'm going to write a book about it or I'm going to, you know, like, I don't know, do go on a speaking tour or something. Yeah, something you got to find a way to make some money on this. So anyways, what a great story. Like, again, you never know what you'll find even at the thrift, even and, and Austin, Texas, I think the store shall not be named. It's pretty expensive there, you know? So it's kind of like San Diego prices and still, I, would you have looked at that bust for 35 bucks? Heck yeah. I've got, I've got a couple of fake little ones. Really? In my, I, I would Aristotle and Socrates in my, uh, in my <laughs> classroom right now up on my bookshelf. Yeah. If I saw a big old bust like that, I'd be absolutely looking into it. Okay. I don't think I'd be like, Oh, this is a 2000 year old one. But I, if it was like, I mean, it said it was over 50 pounds, right? If it there's like a old heavy marble looking or even if I just thought of some kind of stone. Yeah, that'd be awesome. That'd be amazing. I love that. I mean, you've got a you've got a cardboard cut out of Ron Swanson. You're telling me you wouldn't look up a, that is true. a, a Roman looking bus that looks old and it's made of stone. I mean, if it was like in Goodwill and it was for like three grand, I'd probably be like pass. But if 35 bucks, man, you can't go wrong with that. Okay. All right. All right. I don't know. I, I I don't know. I mean, it's kind of like I used to pick up bookends all the time and I just stopped because the profit stopped, hmm. you know? All right. Our last one here uh, of topics is uh, so EV earnings report came out and they it wasn't great. We yeah. already knew that. We yeah. talked about that last time. Uh, but, you know, uh, the Motley Fool looked into some of the numbers and I thought it was interesting. So the, their article uh, by the Motley Fool, the marketplace platform hasn't stabilized from its growth hangover yet, which is true, right? We're all dealing with that, right? We remember 2020 was like, I, I will always be remembered as the golden age of reselling because uh, it was so good. So the online marketplace recently reported another quarter of weakening growth metrics. E-commerce slows following the soaring demand in 2021. The company had some good news for investors through including growing volumes in a few niches as well or niches as well as solid cash flow. Uh, but here's what the, this is what I thought was interesting. eBay's business is shrinking 
at an accelerating rate. Its buyer pool declined by 13% compared to a 9% decline in the prior quarter. Sales volume on its platform fell even faster, down 20% in the first quarter compared to a 10% drop in each of the last two quarters. And so, you know, again, this is expected because, you know, as a result of of the pandemic, obviously people are, are not buying online anymore like they used to. But on the day to day, should it concern you? I would say no, in the sense that, hey, keep listening, keep sourcing, think that people buy, people are still buying. I mean, sales have been good for me. Sales have been good for a lot of people out there still. Uh, but it's just something something to be aware, right, to, to notice. And I think what it's telling of is I wish the data would show how many of uh, how much of those you know categories that aren't having as many sales are let's say luxury items in comparison to like you know utilitary like you know like boots work mm-hmm. boots in comparison to let's say vintage t-shirts right because i think there's still be a market but just be aware be aware you know ebay is still the top game in town for secondary items but you know slowly they're losing market share so we'll see where that goes all right that is our uh reselling topics and uh by the way my head right now is second day school shaver i mean that's not bad for two days but uh this is the second podcast in a row where you're not uh well i shaved yesterday i i don't go i don't do it every day mm. i do it every other day that's fair enough i started every other day and then i fell in love with the uh the smoothness that i get from my skull shaver and so i can't help but use it every day so by the way it's a part of my day now if you haven't tried skull shaver definitely a tool to have your arsenal of looking good. And so go to skullshaver.com, use our promo code hustle with a capital H, get yourself a skull shaver and your life will be changed forever. Forever. There's no going back. All right. What are you looking forward to here, Mike? Oh, we still have our bolos. What? This happened last time. I know you're, you're, is this what happens when you don't shave your head? (laughs) You forget (laughs) the bolo. That's what it is. That is what it is. You forget the bolo. So, all right, here we go. What's your bolo? Yeah, we can't we can't cheat our uh, our followers and not give them a bolo. Uh, so my bolo is cookbooks. Oh yeah. Now, like anything else, I feel like it's I shouldn't even have to give the disclaimer. Like, do your research because ninety percent of them are not worth anything. Uh, however, there are quite a few that are actually very valuable. I've sold several cookbooks and um, after this most recent one that I sold, sold for like 30, 40 bucks, which I mean, isn't a crazy amount, uh, but it got me thinking like, I need to do a little bit more research on cookbooks. And so one of the beautiful things about eBay, just to kind of give you an idea of of one of the ways I do my research. uh, So maybe you do it differently. And if you do it differently, let me know in the comments below. Uh, But it's like usually a two-step process for me. So what I typically do is I'll put in the, the... title to keyword cookbooks whatever it is and then i'm going to sort by sold and then i'm going to sort by um price highest so i look at that first i want to look at like okay what are the crazy ones and so it's like okay these are the ones that are selling for five thousand six okay they, i'm probably never going to see some of these but I, I at least want to look at what the first page see what's on there yeah. then i go to like page like eight or nine and i'm seeing okay what's what's kind of towards the middle here and i start to see if there's any trends is there any of them that are coming up consistently and then I'm, and then I figure out kind of what's that middle price range. You can do a little bit of research to figure this out. Like, is it, is it $30? Is it a hundred dollars? Is it 50? Like, where's the like middle of the road? Like you're getting good profit for it. It's not like the vintage rare first edition signed copy. There's only two of them ever printed that rare. 
but it's also not the run of the mill you're only going to get five dollars for so figure out what that price range is and you can sort by just that you can put in a minimum and a maximum price range for your solds too so i'll typically do for something like cookbooks i might do like 30 dollars minimum to 75 dollars maximum and again i'm looking for trends i'm looking for is there a specific a specific cookbook that's selling it's got a really fast sell-through rate is there a specific brand okay it's the betty crocker so it's the betty crocker's from 1956 to like 1968 well that's just a, a good easy thing to know because then the next time i'm at a garage sale mm. that's in the back of my mind if i see a bunch of cookbooks i oh i've seen that cover before oh it's a betty crocker is it old and i open it up oh it's a 1963 betty crocker well i i after five minutes of research, I know that these sell pretty consistently for like 50 bucks. Mm. How much you want for the book? You know, so um, I, I've sold quite a few cookbooks. So I'm not going to like tell you all the brands, all the ones I've done research on, but it's a bolo plus a little bit of a how to. You can do a little bit of research when you get a random bolo like that. So uh, cookbooks have been successful for me and uh, don't don't sleep on uh, the vintage ones. Obviously, if it's real vintage. Give, giving all your secrets, Mike. Hey, well, you know, that's a. Uh, if you if you want even more, join the Discord. No, I'm not Just gonna kidding. do that. Uh, what so, about you? What's your bolo? Uh, so this is interesting. The only reason I know about this bolo again is because I've been going into my death files, and uh, so I bought a whole bunch of Bose sound docs uh, for iPod, the thirty-two pin. Yep, you know the old yep. school iPods. Old and I bought these, mm, let's just go conservatively three, four years ago. Okay. And they just sat in a pile. Mm. Now, three, four years ago, you could probably sell them for like a hundred something. All right. Right now, they're probably selling for like 60 to 70. Ooh, and with inflation, <laughs> I don't want to think about how much whatever. you've lost on that. I don't know. It depends what numbers you're looking at. And so, but here's the thing. But it's just transitory. Here, well, we're not even, we already had that discussion. So these i was like i wonder if there's still a market for these you know is this something you know and so it was one of those days where i didn't like have a lot of items to list because i've really been going through a lot of my death piles and so i'm like all right i'll list these i'll test them out and everything because it, it wasn't just listing it was like i had to shoot a video of it working mm. what's cool is i so you should always have uh an ipod to test things with and my ipod is cool because it was like 60s like rock like it has some, you know, uh, some Beatles and yeah, clear water on there. And, oh, and it, it, it's some good stuff. Mamas and the Papas. Yeah, no, it's some good stuff. And so, you know, um, it just, it just sounds great on the Bose speakers. So I love shooting the video on it. So anyways, I listed these and they sold within days for $65 plus ship. And most of the time, and both of them were to drop shippers, which is great. I love drop shippers. Buy more from me. Buy yes. Yes, you are my favorite customers. You are you so much. No returns, no negative feedback. It's it's nice. So, anyways, keep an eye out. Now, I'm not just saying Bose. I mean, there's Logitech. There, pretty much anything that's 32 pin. You know, it's always worth it to just look it up and see. Hey, because people are, it's you know, the message. I that. I mean, seriously. No, like, I've gotten messages from people like, "Hey, I've had all this music on my iPod for so long." You know how it, that's because it's i it's Apple. I, I'm gonna actually give Apple credit for that because. If it's anything besides Apple, it's so easy to just plug it into a computer, drag all those files in, onto your computer and put it on whatever else you want to put well, it on. You can do that with iPods. Too. No, because it has to go into iTunes. That's true. And it has you're to, right, and, right. and depending on how your iTunes is set up, it may or may not sync with it. And it, and it might not, it's a whole nightmare, right? So which is why people, they, they'll keep their old iPods. So, uh, you know, 
good move. Good move, uh, uh, Apple. You've locked people into their their 15-year-old product that they, you know, hey, I'm can't grateful. Move on. So keep an eye out for 32-pin speakers. So I'm going to say. And if you're wondering what I mean by 32-pin, it's the, the connecting point at the bottom of the iPod. It's the one that actually, it's almost like uh, a Nintendo Switch cartridge where you put the iPod and you slam it down into the... And you had to like, kind of, kind of. It's basically the same thing. All right. All right. So, uh, hey, what are you, what are you uh, looking forward to? Um, getting a little bit more of my death piles done so that I can finally get out and do some garage sales because that's where the fun is. Um, I'm, I'm, you can meditate all you want while you're listing. You can Netflix and list, you can audible and list, uh, but there's nothing like the thrill of the hunt. So, uh, get through enough of my death piles so that I feel, I feel good about sourcing and I don't feel like I'm just adding to my death piles. I, I get it. I get it. Actually, I've been really disciplined. Uh, when I go sourcing to just buy stuff, I know I'll list. Hold on. I'm I'm going to, I think I might feel like a tear coming right now. I'm so proud of you, Orlando. Uh, I, I, I hate the word you, discipline. It's such a good word. So <laughs> in the words of Jocko Willink, discipline equals freedom. Well, I, I will say it has freedom, my death piles. That's right. So, all right. Uh, I am looking forward to it. Thanks for asking, by the way. Um, were you done talking about what you're looking forward to? Yeah, I was just oh, so taken back by. I mean, well, one, you 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 interrupted me, um, and two, I was so taken aback by the fact that you you acknowledge that discipline is important and valuable, and I just I I feel like I feel like I've accomplished what I've set out for, and I mean, I don't even know. I mean, this is what I started the podcast for. There you go. See you accept. You know, I think for the sake this has gone on a long time. This podcast. So. All right, what are you looking forward to? <laughs> Um, you don't have anything else you're looking forward to? No? Okay. Uh, I, I'm looking forward to more sourcing and listening to get ready for the summer. Cool. Is that I, it? I want to destroy. I was, okay. I was rude. I'm sorry. Okay. <laughs> but I, I do not, I've not had a summer slowdown ever and I don't anticipate on having that. And, uh, yeah, I just, man, these garage sales. Literally, I wish there were garage sales every day. Like, you know, in the Midwest, they have garage sales like on Wednesdays, man, but they also have snow and so they can't source all year. So just kind of, you know, uh, it's not the best either. But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I want to organize some more. Um, and Mike will tell you my place right now is overflowing with inventory. So I need to do something with that. Uh, and uh, yeah, and part of that is just listening, 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 listening. So. So it's been good. Good stuff. Hey, thanks to everyone for tuning in. Hopefully you got something out of this podcast or at least some background noise while you're listening. Yeah. Uh, check us out again on uh, on our Patreon and join our Discord, Pierce Podcast. And uh, look forward to seeing you there and look forward to catching you on our Monday mini And with that being said, make sure to be real. Be relevant. And be reselling. Late. Peace. <laughs>